Well, by now, all of us parents have received uh, our kids' Christmas lists, I would imagine. And, you know, as we have, uh, as we've gotten those and we unfold those and they unfold down to the floor, you know, and ravel. And as we see the number of things on that list and we see possibly how outlandish the things on the list are, um, I'm sure, like me, like my wife, you have, uh, you parents have had some conversation with your children about hope. And there's, there's probably one thing you've said to them about hope, and it's what we've said. Kids, don't get, what is it? Your hopes up. Yes. Don't get your hopes up. I, I've said that, uh, oh, I don't know, 20, 30 times. Is that about right, you think? Yeah. Um, probably some of you have had to say it even more than that. Um, you know, we, we say, don't get your hopes up as we see the list and we see what's on it. You know, we, we, we say, don't, don't, uh, we don't want you to get disappointed. We don't want you to put all your hopes in, in everything you've written here, only to find out that, that uh, you might not, might not get it all, right? Um, and we heard the same thing growing up, didn't we? You know, we said that we did the same thing. We gave mom or dad a, a huge list and all these things that we wanted on it, and we heard the same thing. Okay, this is nice, but don't get your hopes up. Never worked. We all did it anyway. We all got our hopes up, just like the, you know, our kids do now. My kids are doing the same thing. They've heard that over and over. Don't get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up. They still get their hopes up, right? Um, I, I heard that a lot. I heard that a lot, year after year after year. I was the same way. And uh, one year in particular, one year in particular, uh, I, I learned the hard way about getting your hopes up and what that, that might uh, what that might do. Um, it was the year the original Nintendo came out. Who who here remembers you know when that when that came out? The original Nintendo system. Yeah, it, I mean it was the toy, right? Every Christmas there's the toy, you know the hot item, uh, and it's different every year. Well, this year in particular, it was the the original Nintendo. You know, with Duck Hunt, right? Everybody loves Duck Hunt. And, and Mario, and all that went with that. And um, I mean, I just, I wanted the original Nintendo, and so did all my friends. And most of my friends were, were getting that. Like, that's what they were getting. And uh, I saw the commercials over and over, and I just wanted it so bad. And so I put my hopes in getting that Nintendo system. All my hopes were in it. And, and in fact, my hopes were so high, I was absolutely convinced I was getting the Nintendo system. Like, I was just assured of it. You couldn't convince me otherwise. I just knew. It was a done deal. It was in the bag. So uh, as kids do, you know, they, they compare notes and they talk to each other about what they know they're getting, right? Uh, I did the same thing. We were talking about all the different things we thought we were going to open up on Christmas Day. And I told my friends, well, I'm getting the Nintendo too. I'm getting the Nintendo system. So, of course, they followed up with, oh, yeah? How do you know? And what makes you so sure? I said, I just know. Really? How? Just because, okay? You know? And, and so I, I told all my friends, I knew my parents had actually already gotten it. That's how far I went. I said, I know they've already picked it up. I even know what games I'm getting with it. Christmas break came. Christmas morning came. 
Christmas story was read. Christmas presents opened. No Nintendo. No Nintendo. It's okay. I moved on. My, uh, my therapist tells me I'm making great progress. It's a hard time of year. No, but um, I learned the hard way about what sometimes ho- getting your hopes up too high, uh, what that can do when, when you get disappointed when the hopes aren't realized. And I had to go back after Christmas break and tell all my friends, didn't get the Nintendo. It was really embarrassing. In fact, it was so embarrassing that um, some of my friends told my teacher that, uh, that I had lied to them and, and I had lied to the whole class. So, so no lie, my, the teacher had me come up in front of my class and apologize to the class for lying to them. So, so I got a double whammy. Not only did I not get a Nintendo, I had to apologize to my class for lying. It's great. It's really good. Teachers, please don't do that to your students. But, uh, you know, kids are still resilient, though, aren't they? Like, did that stop me from getting my hopes up after that? No, I still did the same thing year after year. I got my hopes way up high. Sometimes, you know, it was, it was realized. Sometimes it wasn't. Uh, but that's what kids do. It, it's not until later on in life when we grow up, when we get older, that we start to get jaded, you know? We start to get a little cynical, um, when you're a kid, even after getting your hopes up and, and them, them kind of coming down, you still are able to, to hope and you're still able to, to be enthusiastic about things and look forward to things. And, and as we get older, that becomes harder and harder and harder. I mean, as we, as we see the, the world around us and just the absence of hope, as we see things getting worse, not better, as we endure disappointment after disappointment, as we have people in our lives let us down, and we let them down. As we see over and over examples of, of a failure to deliver on hope. You know, we look in our circumstances and things we go through. We look in, in circumstances of those around us and those close to us. We see the state of the world. And if we're not careful, we'll give up on hope entirely. We'll say, you know, what's the point? It's never worked. There's no hope anywhere. What's the point in hoping? I'm just going to get let down again. And that's very easy to do as we go through life. But what I want to tell you today, without any doubt, what I want you to be absolutely convinced of, just as convinced as I was getting that Nintendo, I want you to be absolutely convinced that there is one source of hope today. One source, one opportunity for constant, real, absolute hope, and his name is Jesus. Friends, hope is alive and well. Hope is real. Hope is powerful. Hope is possible. Hope is available to you because of Jesus Christ. Him coming has forever made hope a real thing. Hope has a name. The name is Jesus. As we continue on in our series today, that's what we're going to be looking at, the gift of hope. Last week we talked about the gift of light. 
That Jesus Christ is the light of the world and his light never is affected. No matter how dark the world gets, it will never, ever, ever, ever overcome it. And the gift of hope is the same way. Nothing is ever going to take away the hope that Jesus Christ provides because he is hope. He is hope. And you know, in the midst of the Christmas narrative that we, we hear so much about right now, this time of year, it's on cards, it's, it's in commercials, it's, you know, it's in songs. Uh, in the midst of that Christmas narrative, there is this, this one man, and he stands out as an example of someone who chose to believe in the power and the reality of hope, no matter what happened around him no matter what his circumstances were like, no matter what people were saying to him, no matter whether or not people around him believed in hope and embraced hope, whether they had the, the faith in God that he had or not, it didn't matter to him. He chose to hope. He chose to believe in hope, and he let that hope drive him. And, and his story is very brief, but it's so powerful, and it speaks so much to us about hope. And he challenges us and he encourages us to follow his example and to hope no matter what. That man is named Simeon. Simeon. We find his story in Luke chapter 2. And we're going to pick up in verses 25 through 32 today. Luke 2, 25 through 32. And the word of God says this. At that time, and, and that time was the time that Mary and Joseph were bringing baby Jesus to the temple. He was eight days old at this point, and they were following the law of Moses that they were still under. The law said when a, when a, a Jewish male was born eight days after his birth, he would be taken to the temple. He would be circumcised, set apart unto the Lord. So they were bringing him to the temple for that For that uh, circumcision in accordance to the law. That's the time that verse 25 is speaking of. And the the verses previous talk about that. So at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout. Which shows us something about his character. Shows us he was a man of faith. Shows us he was a man who followed, loved, and obeyed God. This was a righteous person. He was righteous and devout and was, don't miss this part, eagerly waiting for the Messiah. That's hope. That's what hope does. It eagerly anticipates. It eagerly looks for. It eagerly wants and it waits excitedly. Just like all of our kids are doing right now at Christmas. You know, my, my kids, um, we have to put our Christmas presents, you know, up on something high because we have a little, uh, little ankle biter, you know. We have a little two-year-old. And so, I mean, if we put, if we put presents under the tree, it'd be, it'd be done. I mean, everybody would know what they were getting because it'd be everywhere. So, so we put our presents up and we put them away. Well, our girls, though, they, they cannot pass through the hallway without stopping and looking at the presents, you know. And, and, and I love that secretly. Aubrey, cover your ears. You didn't hear that, that I, that I love that you do that. Um, but I love that because it shows that excitement that's still very much a part of them. It shows that, child, that childlike hope, you know. That's what we all need to still pursue in our lives is that kind of that excitement, that eagerness, just like you did when you were a kid at Christmas. And that's what we see on display here with Simeon. He was eagerly, he was excitedly Waiting. He wasn't just sitting there, kind of bored, wondering what was going to happen next. No, he was, he was just eager about what? About waiting 
looking for, searching for the Messiah. The Messiah. He was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel, which had been promised. That was the promise of God all through the prophets. Up until this this period of silence, this 400 years of silence from heaven, all the way up till that, God was promising, I will send you my deliverer. The Messiah is coming to you. Hope, believe, have faith. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But time went by. Day, week, month, year, century. And it's been 400 years since people have heard a revelation or a prophecy or a declaration from God. Hope is beginning to fade. Indeed, hope in many ways is non-existent at this point in the people of Israel. But that did not stop Simeon. Because it says he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. He knew God promised it. He believed God's promise. And he wasn't just going through life with that as an afterthought. That was forefront in his mind. He was eagerly awaiting for the promise to come to fruition. And God honored that. Look at what the the next verse says. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Isn't that amazing? That's a bold promise right there. See, God was honoring Simeon's faith. He was honoring and rewarding the hope that Simeon had and was holding on to. God said, you know what, Simeon? You you, you are a man of such hope. You are a man of such faith. I I love your your trust in me. I love your belief. I love your hope. I love that you're eagerly waiting for the Messiah, that no matter what people are doing around you, no matter how much they are mocking you and criticizing you and saying to you, just give up. It's never going to happen, Simeon. What's wrong with you? Come on. It hasn't happened up to this point. What makes you think it's still going to happen? God doesn't care. No matter what he heard in, in that way, he still remained hopeful. And God recognized it. So the Holy Spirit did something very special here. And he said, you know what, Simeon? You're not going to see death. I'm not going to call you home until you've first seen the Messiah you've been waiting for. I'm not going to call you home until you see the object of your hope. I'm not going to call you home until you see that it's been worth it all. To hold on to this hope no matter what. To hold on to this hope even when people around you aren't. I'm going to show you who you're waiting for. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And then look, look what happens next. It's, it's just so amazing. Verse 27. That day. What day? The day of Joseph and Mary and Jesus being at the temple complex for the purification rites for the circumcision in accordance with the law, that day, look, the Spirit led him, Simeon, to the temple. What a coincidence, right? No, of course not. This was not a coincidence. This was a divine appointment. A divine appointment between Simeon and the young Messiah. And my friends, this shows us something too about about how God works with us. If you are in Christ, don't operate in coincidence. Just, just 
Put that out of your mind. Don't, don't operate in this, this chance kind of thing. No, realize and remember and believe and submit to the fact that the Holy Spirit leads you. And He leads me. And He's in direct coordination in the events of our lives. We're, we're not just alone. We're not just you know, left to chance. No, we have a God who not only loved us and saved us, but who directs our lives. And who leads us where he wants us to be and where we, he knows we need to be. Let's, let's be sensitive to that. Let's recognize that. And let's follow his leading just as Simeon did. So that day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. See that intersection? Isn't that great? Simeon was there. And it's like, it, it, it doesn't say this, but it's as if God said, you know, it's like, like this little radar or something. You know, M- J- Joseph and Mary and Jesus are, uh, Jesus are there, and, and Simeon's here, and it's like, you know, right? Because look, look at what it says. As soon as, as he saw this, he took the child in his arms and praised God. And, and I mean, if, if God had not directed that, that could have gotten really awkward. You know, like Simeon just walks up to some random couple and just takes their baby. I mean, that could be problematic. But that's not what happened. He went right to Jesus. He had never seen him before. He didn't know Mary and Joseph. They didn't know him. But he goes right to Jesus. Only God could have done that. Only God could have done that. Divine appointment, divine direction. So he took the the child, took Jesus in his arms, and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord. See, See, Simeon recognizes the sovereignty of God. Do you? Do you recognize the sovereignty of God in and over your life? in and over our world. We we need to recognize that, church, because we have a sovereign God who directs and orders the affairs of man, who directs and orders the affairs of your life and my life lovingly, perfectly. Simeon recognizes that. Sovereign Lord, now, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. There's, there's a, there it is again. Promise of God. Hope in the promises of God. Belief in the promises that God has, has delivered coming true, coming to pass. And we don't know for sure his age. I mean, it's generally assumed, and I think safely so, that he was an older man who had lived his life, you know, in, in fullness of years, in faithfulness to God. We don't know that for certain. That's a pretty good assumption, though. So he says, you know what? I've followed you. I've lived for you. I've trusted in you. You promised that I would see your Messiah. Now I have. All right, I'm ready to go. Just go ahead and take me home, God. I'm ready. Why did he say that? Verse 30 gives us the answer. I have seen your salvation. I've seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. That's you and me. That's the Gentiles. That's all of us. And He is the glory of your people Israel. See, Jesus always unites. He always unites people. He always bridges gaps. That's what He does. He tears down walls of division. He brings people together that normally wouldn't be together. Only Jesus... 
Only the gospel of Jesus can bring people who socially and and intellectually and culturally would never mix and never intersect. But Jesus brings them together. That's one of the many, many, many reasons we can always hope in Jesus. Because no political system is going to do that. No cultural initiative is going to do that. No man-made effort is going to really, truly bring people together into oneness. Only Christ can do that, and we can hope that that will always take place. So that's what happened with, with Simeon. That, that, that's, that's his story. Uh, and, and he shows us what it is to really hope in the promises of God, no matter what. No matter what happens around you. That's encouraging to me. And I hope it's encouraging to you. Because in, in the time in which we live, you hear over and over about all the negative that's going on. All that's going wrong. You don't hear a lot about what's going right. There's not a whole lot of hope to grab onto out in the world. But our challenge, as we look at Simeon's life, is to, to not worry about all of that. To keep our eyes up. To keep our eyes ahead. To believe that as God has always been faithful, He will continue to be. And whatever He said, we can hope in. We have to choose to believe that the way Simeon did. Well, Romans 5, 4-5 through 5 kind of unpacks a little bit farther what it means to really hope and what hope is about and, and what it looks like to really hope. And, and what I see as I see this passage, I mean, I just see Simeon's picture right there. He's a living example of what Paul is talking about in Romans 5, verses 4 through 5. Look at that with me. Here's what Paul says there. Endurance, endurance produces proven character. Don't we see that in Simeon? I mean, that's just on full display in Simeon's life. I mean, here's this man who, again, probably older, has lived his life of faith, has lived his life of godliness, has followed the commands and the the, the law of the Lord. He's believed the promise about Messiah, even though he hasn't come yet. And all the people around him, I'm just guessing, are, are, are probably criticizing him, mocking him, trying to get him just to give up. You know, why? Why, Simeon? Why are you continuing to believe this? Nothing's happened. Nothing's going to happen. Move on, man. You know, they're, they're trying to do this. He, he just rejects it all. Endurance. Endurance. Staying with the hope that he knows he can have. Endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. And, and, and watch this. Watch this. This hope, the hope in God, the hope toward God, A spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-energized hope, the way we see it in Simeon's life, this hope will not disappoint us, unlike hoping in man, unlike hoping in things to satisfy that never happens, unlike hoping in circumstances changing, which may or may not happen. My friends, that is why, that is why so often we are so disappointed in our hope. It's because we are hoping in man. We're hoping in people, you know, to come through. Whether that's on a personal level with family or friends or on a a leadership governmental level. We're hoping for the right person, you know, in office 
to bring about the changes that we all have wanted to see? The right leader? How's that worked out so far? You know? We're hoping in things, and, and we just, if we could just have the, that thing we always wanted, if we could just have the right amount of, of possessions, oh, we'll be happy. We'll be satisfied. That never works. All it does is leave you wanting more. Maybe if we tried to, to just kind of medicate ourselves, you know? We take the pills. We drink the drink. We smoke the whatever, you know? And then all that does is leave us more miserable than we ever were before and still wanting more. So none of that works. And that's why over and over in our life and in lives around us, we see people that have had hopes. They've had hopes. They've put their hope in something or someone only to have it dashed time and time again. So finally, they just say, you know what? I'm never hoping again. There's no point. I'm just giving up on this thing called hope. It doesn't exist. The Word of God says this hope, this hope, God-centered hope, God-given hope will not disappoint us. Why? Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us because of Christ. Through Christ, in the name of Christ. That's how we receive the Holy Spirit. It's through Jesus. See, it's all about Jesus, church. Our hope is tied to Jesus, not to us or our circumstances or our environments or our emotions. It's anchored to Jesus. The Bible says that it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Just as our light, like we talked about last week, is tied to Jesus, not to anything else. So it is with hope. So what that means for us, and and what I I just want to challenge you to hear today, to believe, to remember, and to re-gift and share with others, is this. It's this truth. It's this challenge that I want to give you. Listen, don't stop hoping. Don't stop hoping. Hope. Hope well. Hope eagerly, like we saw Simeon do. Hope like your children do every Christmas. Hope like you did when you were a child. Return to that. Hope fiercely. Hope passionately. So don't stop hoping. Just stop putting your hope in the wrong place. You hear me on that? Don't stop hoping. Just stop hoping in the wrong place. Trade up your hope. Take your hope away from the meaningless things that will never deliver. Take your hope from even well-meaning friends and family that just just can't deliver. Don't, Don't put so much pressure on your family to come through in hope where they never could. There's only one person who will always deliver every time, whose whose arms are big enough to hold all your hopes and more, and that's Jesus. Only him. So trade up your hope. Just stop, stop hoping in the wrong place. And again, that's, that's the reason for such frequent disappointment and discouragement and disillusionment. That's the reason. It's because we have our hope in the wrong place. We have our hope in the wrong person. So choose today and tomorrow and the day after. Choose to replace your hope where it's been 
or where you're tempted to put it, and leave it anchored to the living hope, Jesus Christ. Hope is real. Hope is possible. Hope is powerful. Hope is available. Hope has a name. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Hebrews 10.23 gives us a very important, very needed challenge related to hope. It says this, let us hold on. Hold on. That's, that's grasping. That's gripping tight. That's not letting go. Holding on with dear life, as it were. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope, which is Jesus. This is written to the church. This is written to Christians. He's saying that confession of hope that you, you already have given, that confession of hope that, that, that is in Jesus, where you said, Jesus, I need you. You are the only Savior. I need you to save me. I'm, I have all my hopes placed in you. Whenever you did that, at whatever point in your life where you did that, where you placed the hope of your salvation in Jesus... Hold on to it, is what he's saying. Don't let go of that. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope, Jesus, without wavering. In other words, don't go back and forth. Don't be up and down. Without wavering, holding fast, holding firm to that confession of hope. Why? Why should we? How are we able to? tells us in the next statement. For, or because... He who promised God is faithful. He is. Do you believe that today, church? He who promised all that he's promised, everything God has promised, he is faithful to deliver on it. I mean, just, just look back and think about in your life and then, then think about in the pages of Scripture and the lives of all the people present all through Scripture where God showed up where he was faithful, where he always came through. Again, think about it personally. All the ways he did that in your life. All the years where he reminded you he was with you, that he was for you, that he loved you, that he's got this. And then all the other people with us. My goodness. I mean, God has a very impressive resume of faithfulness, you know? God has a very impressive resume. And we really need to look no farther than our own salvation. I mean, that's enough. If God never did anything else other than save us, then we would never have any need to, to question God's faithfulness. I mean, that in itself is enough forever. That God redeemed us and all that went into that, all that, that is from that, all, that, all that's wrapped up in our salvation. I mean, that is enough by itself. But God doesn't stop there. He keeps blessing. He keeps working. He keeps providing. But in terms of our salvation, I, I, don't, want it, I don't want us to miss how powerful, how miraculous, how amazing that truly is. So, so look, look with me at, at Titus 3, 5 through 7. Titus 3, 5 through 7. This, this is such a powerful, just kind of a, a nutshell of our salvation. I mean, this doesn't cover even, even half of it, but, but man, what it does cover is so powerful. Titus 3, 5 through 7. Here's what the Word of God says. Verse 5. He, God, He saved us, not because, not because, of the righteous things we had done, like that would ever happen, 
you know, like we could ever do enough righteousness to inherit or to, to merit salvation. No, it's ludicrous. The Bible says all of our righteousness, if we pile it all together, it's nothing but filthy rags before God. And literally, it's bandages, used bandages. That's how God views all the righteousness we do. So it would never be enough to to earn salvation. So not because of the righteous things we had done, no, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Verse 7, because of His grace, He made us right in His sight. Grace is not something that we could ever be deserving of. Mercy is not getting what we deserved. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. We get both. We get mercy and grace. Not because we were just so good. Not because God just had to have us. We were that good. He needed us. No. Because of His grace, His mercy, His love. All because of Him. All through Jesus Christ. All His merit. Not ours. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight. And, and, got to love and in scripture. It's always a great thing. Whenever you see and, it's like something good's coming up here. And gave us confidence. Don't you like that word? Confidence. We need confidence. We want confidence. We are hungry for confidence in our world today. We're searching for it. And we see very little example of it. But there is always one example of confidence or hope. That's another word for it. Hope. It's in Jesus Christ. He gave us confidence or hope that we will inherit eternal life. That's what you have today if you're in Christ. You have the promise of eternal life. You have the promise of grace and mercy all over your life constantly. That's what we have. And so if nothing else, friend, if nothing else is is right right now in your circumstance, if nothing else seems like it's working for you, look no farther than your own salvation. And that is enough to know, to know, that God is going to be faithful. That is enough to know that your hope lies secure in God. Just the fact that he saved you and all that's wrapped up in that. So what does that leave for us to do? Well, it means we need to believe this. It means we need to be remembering this, recalling this to our minds and our hearts day after day because we have such a tendency to forget, don't we? We have such a tendency to get distracted, to to focus on all that is negative, all that is wrong, not on what we have. We need to remind ourselves of this. And as we we embrace this truth and we remember it, then we need to re-gift it. We need to re-gift it. We need to be sharing this with other people. Just as we re-gift the gift of light, like we talked about last week, we, we go out and we shine the light out to everyone, drawing them to the light, to Christ, we need to be telling people there is hope possible. There is hope available to you. You don't have to go through life hopeless. It's, it's possible. I have found it. 
I know it. I have hope. Let me share it with you. His name's Jesus. Let me bring you to Jesus. Nothing else is going to deliver on the hope that you need, on the hope that you want. But Jesus can. Jesus will. So we need to re-gift the hope that we have. We need to do what Psalm 62.5 tells us to do. It says, Rest in God alone, my soul. Rest in God alone, my soul. Why? For my hope, it's what we all want, what we all are searching for, for my hope comes from Him. Rest in God alone, my soul. For my hope comes from Him, no one else. We need to preach this to ourselves daily. Sometimes, multiple times throughout a day. Depending on the day we have, right? That's what's before us. We have the gift of hope. His name is Jesus. Have you embraced him? Have you received that gift that has been given to you? If you have, great. Praise God for it. Don't forget about it. Recall it. Remember it. And then share it with all those around you. Regift it. Okay? Let's pray together. You know, I, I don't know what's going on in your life personally, behind the scenes. I don't know what kind of week you've had. I don't know what kind of month you've had. I don't know what kind of year you've, you've had. I do know that life is hard. I do know life can be brutal. I do know sometimes it seems literally like you have nothing left to give or hold on to. I do know that. I've been there. I do know what it's like to not know what you're going to do tomorrow. And I know how empty it can feel and how desperate we can get. I know how many people are hurting right now in our area. I mean, man, we've, we've been through it here in our area. There's not been a whole lot of hope in our nation Never seen it so divided. And that's just on a broad scale. Then you, you talk about individual families. Man, it's tough. It's tough. None of this is, is taking away the fact that life and this world is hard. But what we've heard today, and what I hope you heard through the Spirit of God, is that hope is alive and well. Hope is real. Hope is available to you, and it's found only in Jesus Christ. So my question to you is, do you know him? Do you know him? Have you embraced fully the gift of hope that is Jesus? Because, my friend, it's, it's there for you. It has your name on it. It's a gift paid for by the very blood of Christ with your name on it. I just wonder, is there anyone today, anyone at all, who's heard the truth of God's word, who's heard again about the hope of Jesus Christ, but today it's connected into your heart, it's connected and engaged into your soul, and you know you have a need to receive that gift, and you would like to do that today. Is there anyone that would say, yes, that's me, pray for me in this way? Anybody at all? Anyone at all? Thank you for your honesty. Anyone else? Say, yes, that's me. Pray for me. Thank you for your honesty. 
Anybody else? Amen. Thank you. Not only will I pray for you, thank you, thank you. Not only will I pray for you, those of you who have raised your hand saying that, I'm going to be down front as the ending song plays and even after it's over. I would love to talk with you. I would love to go deeper into Scripture with you. I would love to make sure with you today that you leave this place knowing the hope of Jesus. So please, please come and talk to me afterwards. My next question is for you, my brothers and sisters who are absolutely in Christ. You have received the gift of hope at some point in your life. You've already done that. You know you're in Christ. But you've been, uh, you've been short on hope in, in your life. You've been, you've been struggling with discouragement, with disillusionment, with depression. I mean, we can call it a lot of different things, but you're, you're down. You're empty. You're dry. You're weary this morning, and it's not physical fatigue. You're weary in, the, in your soul, in your spirit, in your heart. I mean, I, I'm sure there's some of you that I just described. I want to pray for you, my brother, my sister. I want to know if that's you. If I just described you, and, and just let me know in the same way. Just raise your hand up, and I will absolutely be praying for you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you for your honesty. Amen. Anyone else? Pray for me. I'm just, I'm dry. I'm running on empty. And I don't like it. I don't want to operate this way. I know I'm called to embrace and live out the, the living hope of Christ. Pray for me that I will. Anyone else? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, you are so, so good. There is none like you, God. No one can be what you are. No one can do what you do. There is no other source of hope that we are able to find and embrace in our lives but you and the hope that is found in Christ. Father, that's what Christmas is about. It's about light. It's about hope. As we look at uh, next week, it's about purpose. And it's about life. And it's all wrapped up in the overall, the one main gift of Jesus Christ. It's all wrapped up in Him. Father, help us to draw near to Your Son, Jesus, to embrace all that He has to offer us, all that He has to give us. I pray for these this morning that just raise their hands, saying, not just to me, but to You, yes, I I need that, I want that. I recognize and realize that I've never really received the gift of hope that's found in Christ. I've never committed my life to him as my Savior and Lord. And they're saying, I I want to. Father, you see them. You are the God who sees. You know them. You love them. And I pray by your Spirit that you would work in their hearts, in their minds, even now, right now, and that they would, they would be committing their life, even as I am praying, to you, to hope, to light, and to life, to Jesus. Bring new life into them, right now. And we'll thank you for it. Father, for my brothers and sisters who raise their hands up saying, yeah, I, I, I am in Christ, I know I am, I know I'm a believer. I'm not doubting my salvation, I know I'm saved, but, man, I... I'm just running on empty. 
I've, I've been so focused on circumstance or situation, I've, I've been neglecting the reality of my salvation. I've, I've been forgetting the hope that I do have. I've been distracted. Hope hasn't really been very much a part of my life recently. Father, thank you for them admitting what you already know. Thank you for your work in their heart and their mind and their life. Please draw them again afresh, anew, into living hope that they already have in Jesus. Reignite the flames of hope in their hearts. Draw us all to the the place where Simeon was, where we, we are eager in our hope toward you. And we'll praise you for that as well. Thank you, God, for your work this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for hope that is always there for us through your son Jesus, in whose mighty name I pray. Amen.